Hey, my name is Yaro, and you're listening to the Daydream Rose podcast. Welcome back. I'm really excited to share this episode. There's someone else involved this time. I have had a couple of solo minisodes, and I really appreciated your feedback for those. So there'll be more coming. But I'm also still really excited about talking to other people. And for this episode, I talked to Crystal of Power Fem Tarot. We had a really beautiful conversation about bringing politics to the tarot and really finding our own unique way of reading the cards. Um, so yeah, really excited to hear what you think. I would love some feedback. If you love it, leave a review. Do support Crystal's work. It's really beautiful. A couple of announcements from me. I have just uploaded a bunch of new workshops that are free and online that I'm running this autumn. I will read those to you. The first one is all about social media and online marketing for introverts and that's happening on October 26th, 11am ET, New York time. And then the next one is how to grow a Patreon, um, which I'm also really excited about. Many of you has, uh, have asked about this and that's going to be November the 4th at noon ET. And then, and this is probably most relevant and exciting to this audience that's listening to this podcast, uh, hint, hint, <laughs> is on November 18th, I'm running Tarot for Beginners. And that's going to be an additional workshop um, to the Magic of Embodiment program. So a quick recap on that. That's a year-long program that brings together ritual, tarot, folk herbalism, embodiment and journaling practices. Um, and that's available for a pledge of $3 or more on my Patreon, so it's really accessible. And within that program, I'm running um, deeper 90-minute workshops every other month, and they're available to the whole community, whether you're a Patreon or not, because I love community. And so uh, the first workshop of that for this uh, series just happened this Sunday and it was called Rooting Down. It's really beautiful. You're going to get access to that as well if you become a Patreon because it's now part of the uh, library in the Magic of Embodiment program. So anyway, in addition to the workshops happening every other month, I'm running this one on November 18th. And we'll look at what it means to read for ourselves when we don't know all the cards by heart, which I really think you don't have to do or know you know so we'll talk about working with things like colors and numbers and elements and how we can build a beautiful embodied practice and how it doesn't always have to be big and fancy and expensive but how we can work with found objects and make time here and there to check in with ourselves so yeah you can sign up for all these workshops and other free courses at yarrowdigital.com slash free minus webinars but I will put that in the show notes as well okay and now I want to tell you what this hint was about because if you've been listening to this for a while you know that I also really love talking about business stuff and other ways of doing online marketing and design and all that uh, and you might also know that I'm a web designer who also runs Yarrow Digital which is a small web design and ethical online marketing agency and you know also love podcasting I mean it's just the best I love you guys so much this has been incredibly fun to do for a couple of years now so I started a second podcast it's called do-it-yourself business magic and I'm waiting any moment for iTunes to approve it so by the time you're listening to this it might be up it might not be but it should be and if you want to check out my Instagram at Yaro Magdalena that's where I'm going to announce it first once I have the approval from iTunes 
and then you can listen away. It's going to be really fun. We'll talk about ethics in business and how we can now make our work more accessible, how we can honor our own energy levels and boundaries, and how we can create community and lives that are healthy and intentional and joyful even if that sounds cheesy <laughs> just noticing as I'm saying that out loud anyway I'm excited for this I hope you're excited for this too um, if you like the page if, if you like the podcast you can leave a review that would be beautiful and like I said I would love to hear what you think and what you're excited about if you have questions for either of those podcasts about things that you want me to cover in minisodes do let me know email me or message me on Instagram thank you so much have a beautiful day Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. I'm really excited about my guest today and literally I think it's impossible to speak an intro without using the word excited. I've kind of been <laughs> trying to come up with something different but I am just this week especially in this massive flow of gratitude for this work, um, getting to do it, having Patreon supporters and having such beautiful people saying yes to being interviewed, which I really value because I, yeah, really have the sense at the moment that social media is cool and there's a lot of connection and value in that, but really what I'm so here for are these longer, deeper conversations. So yay, I have Crystal of Power Femme Tarot with me today and this is a more recent Instagram crush. I haven't known her for a really long time, but I came across her profile and then her Patreon, um, which I've now joined, and was just really into the vibe and the perspective and the kinds of reading that she's offering as a tarot reader. So I received one um, which was like a little love note and the, the moon came up and I just loved the description of that and the depth and the perspective. So I was like, yay, I want to have this person on the show and I'm so happy that's happening now. So yeah, I'll hand it over to you and let you introduce yourself. <laughs> oh, thank you, Yarl, so much for having me on. I'm fangirling right back at you for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, thank you for the introduction and for speaking so highly of my work and uplifting it and inviting me here. Um, my name is Crystal, and I run the side hustle Power Femme Tarot. I'm a queer femme witch, tarot reader, and teacher based in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, which is um, the territory that we now know as New Orleans, but um, was Chittimaca land in Chickasaw land. Um, but I think it's also really important to acknowledge that this this land not only has those indigenous roots but that um, the city we now know as New Orleans is in many ways a port to the world and that there has been um, a lot of cross-cultural contact here often incredibly violent contact and I bring that up because New Orleans gets so romanticized particularly in like witchy new age um, communities and it is a really incredible vibrant city with a lot of history um, but oftentimes that history has been incredibly violent and it's one of enslavement um, but um, 
yeah, that's, that's where I am. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Um, I would love to know just kind of as a question to dive in and to ground the conversation a little bit. It's like, what is nature like around you? I really have no idea. So if anyone has listened before, I'm in the UK currently. So I mean, I knew, I know where New Orleans is, but I wouldn't know anything about kind of what the climate is like or what nature is like around you right now. Yeah, well, right now we are at the peak of hurricane season. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes it rains for a good portion of the afternoon and it is totally useless to look at your weather app on your phone because it'll say it won't rain and it does or that um, it is going to rain, but it's not. It's always... Uh, subject to change. So we're at the height of hurricane season. We're expecting a tropical storm later today. So a lot of schools are being canceled and the level of preparedness here is quite high. But currently it is really humid. It's really hot in New Orleans as you might expect. And we have a lot of really gorgeous live oak trees, which look a little different than I think what most people think of when they bring to mind oak trees. The oak trees here are, uh, they have like much rougher sort of bark and their roots are really wide spreading and knobby and bust up the concrete everywhere and the branches are really low hanging. They look quite um, majestic and eerie, but it's mostly really humid. The pace of life in New Orleans really slows down in the summer. So now that we're moving towards fall, we'll actually have a bit more activity because we can actually tolerate being outside. <laughs> yeah, cool. That sounds, yeah, that sounds warm and wet. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For yeah. sure. Um, the next thing I would love to ask you is how did Tower found you and kind of what you're most excited about now? So I know you have really special kinds of readings and I would love to hear a little bit more about how you're reading for yourself and for other people and just generally what about the practice you're most excited about at the moment? Sure. Tarot found me in a really non-linear sort of way. When I was a teen, I, well, I had, I, I should say first, a pretty unconventional childhood and that I was raised by bikers. And when I was a young teen, my parents owned a motorcycle shop in Northeast Ohio. And this shop was right next door to a new age shop, a little witchy shop that's that's still there. It's called Enchanted Grove um, in Willoughby, Ohio. It's great. Shout out to Ida, the owner. <laughs> and um, I'm an only child and my parents were business owners. So every day after school, I would spend time at this bike shop. And when I got bored, I would pop over next door. And that was such an incredible gift to, at such a young age, have access to resources, um, to welcoming staff at this store. And that's where I bought my first tarot deck and book. And 
I wouldn't say that it was a practice that I really dove into right away as a teen. I found the imagery fascinating. I would tinker around and read for myself and others. Um, but I didn't really get serious about my tarot practice until a handful of years ago, a handful of years ago. But what I really love is that I didn't let go of that very first deck. I, like many teenagers do, wandered on and off the path, though I think stepping off of the path is part of the path. Um, but I could never bring myself to part with this deck, and I'm so glad that I held on to it um, because a few years ago, tarot really reemerged for me as something of an anti-gaslighting tool. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I, as you, as you might know, I'm like pretty adamant about this. Whenever I talk about tarot, I really emphasize that tarot is a tool and we can make conscious strategic choices about how we use it. And when I was reintroduced to tarot, it was, um, and I'll give a little content note as I step into some some subject matter that pertains to like abusive relationships and assault, but I was leaving um, a really traumatizing relationship and one that was marked by a lot of gaslighting and tarot reemerged for me in the wake of that relationship as the perfect gaslighting tool. And it was the most crucial thing I found in my efforts to come to trust myself again and to come to understand that my own perception of reality was accurate and was valid. And so that informs a lot of the way that I work with tarot now. I don't use it as fortune telling or divination in the strictest sense, but it's a way for us to take an energetic snapshot of what's going on in our internal and external realities right now so that we can make more informed and empowered choices moving forward. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, that's really beautiful and it speaks to me so much. Exactly that. I think the tool, the tower really has been such a powerful tool for me to learn to trust my own mind and my story and to make sense of, yeah, to make sense and give meaning through things in a way that is constructive and not bypassing anything that I needed to work through. So yay, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. really, that is your experience too. And I can definitely see how you're weaving that into your readings, having received one my, myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good. Yeah. And I think that sort of approach, it does take intention and it takes a bit of a shifted focus this is something that of course many readers are doing now this is definitely not unique to me but moving away from this notion that it's the deck that has the power Mm -hmm. and that we actually are the ones bringing our own intuitive and interpretive power to the deck so it it's for me is really important to know that when I'm shuffling, when I'm pulling cards for myself or for others, that I'm not waiting for the deck to tell me something, but that I'm using it as a gateway or as a mirror that reflects 
back to me my own understanding of myself and of the world. And it, it maybe seems like such an obvious approach, but I think if we're not careful, sometimes when we use the cards, we can hand over too much of our personal power to the tool. Yeah. 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 Very true. I agree. Um, this is a tiny bit of a jump. So if you have more to say on this, you're totally welcome. But if not, um, I would love to ask you another question, which is um, how your academic background is weaving into your practice at the moment. Maybe that's how you study the tarot or maybe that's how you read for yourself. I would love to know a little bit more about that. Sure. And I'm such a, a nerd that I love to chat about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm an academic by profession and I have a PhD in gender studies. And the way that my academic nature and my professional life weaves into my tarot work is multifaceted or I guess to follow the metaphor through it's multi-threaded. <laughs> um, but I approach tarot as a tool that bridges our intuition and our intellect. So for me, tarot study is really important. Everyone's mileage in this way is going to vary, and I certainly don't want to profess that the way that I've learned competency with tarot is the only way to go about it. But for me, having dedicated scholastic study to the cards has given me a really solid foundation of how to work with that tool and not only how to work with it, how to develop my own style, my own approach, my own way of tweaking its interpretations in ways that reflect my life and the lives of my queerants. Um, so tarot study has been really important. And my field of gender and sexuality studies dovetails with that really nicely in that though I'm really invested in learning about tarot history and its um, traditional theory, I am bringing a like queer, radical, feminist, fiercely, unapologetically political lens to that. So for me, I kind of have to know what the tradition is so that I can figure out how to invert it or revise it or fuck with it in some other productive way. Mm -hmm. um, but in a more like tangible, practical sort of sense, I use tarot all the time <laughs> in my professional life. If I have decisions to make, if I need to map out lesson plans or work through a writing block. I totally bring in the tarot as a tool in that way. And sort of the vice versa of that is my training as a scholar and educator helps me be able to teach tarot both in person on and online pretty well. So these two halves of my life sometimes like seem really disparate, but they like flow into each other in ways that I find really exciting and generative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that does sound exciting. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. um, I, so since we're on the subject on identity and how that's all moving in and how politics come into that. Um, oh, wait, sorry. I'm going to take one step back and just okay. mirror that a little bit. I um, totally hear what you're saying about there just being so many different paths to exploring the cards and, 
also feel like in some ways it's been really beneficial to me to find balance and also explore some academic material. I'm, I'm currently rereading um, John Berger's book, Ways of Seeing, um, mm. which I was reading when I did media studies and I'm feeling excited at the moment to maybe dive a little bit deeper into art history and to really think about the ways we have in history and now been making meaning of visual language and mm. what that means and how it's changed and you know what those deep embodied associations with colors and symbols and numbers are so I really hear you on that and then at the same time seen in my own life that I had these longer periods where I was just like not reading anything and kind of distancing myself and doing the hermit a little bit and being like mm -hmm. I just want to listen to my own intuition and see what comes up that way and I love waving like riding those waves and I'm also really excited that so many of us are coming forward with our own teaching and interpretations and the, the, it feels like there's this really beautiful dialogue happening at the moment of people bringing in their own background and questioning things and reimagining things so I'm excited that you're part of that and I know that you're developing a course that I want to talk about a little bit later but I'll come yeah. back to my <laughs> other question <laughs> which was more related to identity it was just to touch on um, how your business name came to be it's Power Femme Tarot which obviously means a lot to me but maybe it doesn't mean a lot to all of the listeners so I would love for you to speak a little bit on that oh of course power femme is an identity that I've long claimed for myself and a little known secret <laughs> is that um, prior to my forays into the world of tarot, I had um, like a really small makeup blog um, mm -hmm. called Power Femme Tarot. Mm -hmm. Well, it wasn't Power Femme Tarot, but it was just called like Power Femme whatever. Okay. And so like prior to my, um, my life as, as a tarot reader and teacher, I've, I've used this this name for myself. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm so attached to it that I have it tattooed on my body. So oh, wow, cool. uh, yeah, <laughs> I have a, a piece on the back of my thigh that has lace and it says power femme and it looks like power femme is written with lipstick and there's a, a little tube of, of lipstick. It's very like a white trash and I love it. <laughs> and I say that with pride, with a lot of white trash pride. Um, but for me, Femme is a playful, irreverent approach to femininity. It has been an identity label through which I've come to understand femininity as something that's for me and for my pleasure and not for the consumption of straight cis men. Mm -hmm. And many people who identify as feminine of center in some way um, have likely received explicit and subtle messages that are like gender identities and gender expressions and, and erotic subjectivities are actually not our own, mm -hmm. um, that they are for the consumption of other people. So for me, femme has been a way of like crafting very intentionally a brand of femininity that feels like home to me. And that is really for me first. And it has, um, 
it's decidedly queer. Femme is decidedly queer in that it is deeply political and resists projects of normalization. So in saying that I'm femme, I'm not saying that I'm like just like straight women. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm my lived embodied experience does have like specific specificities to it that need to be recognized mm-hmm. um, and honored. So for me, that's the femme bit of it. But putting power femme together for me is a way of bringing together these energies of being tender and fierce at the same time. And one of my greatest life lessons thus far has been that I don't have to choose between the two, that I can be both tender and fierce at the same time. And there's also in adding power on there, um, an attempt to sort of rework how we define power. It's kind of like a little Starhawk-esque when we're thinking about like power within rather than power over. So for me, it fits really nicely as a personal identity. And um, it seems to be a title or a brand, if you want to call it that, that resonates with um, a lot of people regardless of their um, gender and sexual orientation. There seems to be something um, about it, about its um, like maybe contradiction a little bit in bringing Power Femme together that seems to resonate with folks. So that's what it means for me. But of course, Femme um, means lots of different things to lots of different people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was beautiful to hear. Thank you. Of course. (laughs) You Um, said that you um, were, were keen on the name too. So I'm wondering what your, your relationship to the identity femme is and what that word means for you. Yeah, totally. I, I was identifying as a femme for most of my 20s as a queer femme for sure. Um, I came out kind of in my early 20s. I'm in my early 30s now. Mm-hmm. And I also as a teenager would describe similar difficult experiences around sexuality and femininity and really have been on my own journey of reclaiming that and untangling that from heteronormative ideas and Mm -hmm. beauty standards from from what colonialism has done to that um, to us collectively and right now I don't hold that identity I really still honor it and I think it's really powerful Um, but I'm kind of experimenting with other ways of expressing at the moment and I'm really enjoying that space of playfulness and giving myself permission to um, yeah see other things and also kind of um, owning that I expect um, flexibility from other people I think sometimes there's been the sense maybe in my extended family or um in some older friendships that um identity is pretty stable over our lifetimes and at the mm. moment I'm like no you know that's not actually true for me right now and maybe i'll come back to that place or maybe i won't but that's definitely my freedom to have and to choose and to see what else is out there if that makes sense yeah mm, yeah absolutely yeah that's beautiful thanks for for sharing and responding to my impromptu question on that. What you're saying kind of reminded me of a friend I have who 
similarly does not identify as femme, but people read them as a queer femme a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. So um, they tend to say that they have femme affinities or femme finities. (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of like they gravitate towards maybe what other people see as a uh, femme aesthetic and certainly have a lot of like reverence and um, like respect for, for femmes, but um, it's more of a, a femme affinity sort of thing. So I love it. <laughs> I love that word too. I'm definitely going to think about that some more and use it. That's really cool. Oh God, queers are just so great at making shit up. <laughs> oh yeah, like the best wordsmiths for sure. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to kind of um, bridge over into sexuality and um, I know that you're offering sacred uh, sexuality readings, which I was really excited about when I saw mm-hmm. them. That's definitely something I want to treat myself uh, to at some point. And being a tarot reader myself, I know it's quite interesting to kind of, um, you know, start experimenting and then finding your special thing. Um, and I, I've just recently got there myself. So I'm really interested to hear what your journey has been like around finding your special thing as a tarot reader and how those kinds of readings came to be and how you feel about them now. Mm, Yeah, it does seem that the sacred sexuality spread has become like my, my iconic spread. It's certainly the one that is purchased the most and it's one that I feel um, most emotionally invested in when I do it, but I certainly don't approach that reading as an authority or as someone who has been quote unquote healed. I designed that reading for myself because I needed guidance around my own, my own history of of trauma and like feeling more at home in my erotic self. And I'll, I'll do like more content notes because I can already see that talking about this, this reading is going to inevitably like pull us into some potentially triggering material, but um, it's, it's probably no surprise to anyone that we live in a deeply toxic culture particularly around the way that we have structured a system of gender and sexual norms. And I would even go as far to say that our cultural climate around gender and sexuality is itself traumatic. And I don't use the word trauma there as a way of distracting or diluting or trying to like minimize the specificity of of sexual assault but rather to say that like we live in a whole um, cultural environment that breeds like a toxic relationship to ourselves and to other people and that is really wounding to our sexual selves So I developed this reading as a way of figuring out how to navigate that. And it occurred to me that I literally don't know one single person who claims to have an uncomplicated, 
unfettered relationship to their body and to their sexual energy. Mm -hmm. So it seems to be something that we collectively all really need guidance on, perhaps in different different ways. And of course, this might have like most resonance for people who do have personal histories of, of trauma or abuse. But more generally, this reading is about coming home to your erotic self and understanding that sacred sexuality, should sexuality be something that is important to your life and to your identity because it's not for everyone. Um, but if it is something that is part of how you understand your experience in the world, um, to like reframe it such that sexuality is something we always have access to and is more like a well or a resource of creativity and passion and sensual experience that allows us to move through the world in ways that feel more alive and enriching rather than it just being something that is like activated by the presence of another person. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a lot in, I think what I just said, and it is kind of a large reading for, for that reason. But, you know, it's a reading that I developed because it was something that I needed guidance on. So when I am, doing this reading for other people it's not from a place of like hierarchical authority like i've somehow untangled all of my knots of like trauma and whatnot but it's it's recognizing that we are we've all been saturated in a deeply sex negative culture mm -hmm. and we're all trying to do this work together of like coming home to ourselves and our bodies and living our lives in, in ways that feel more uh, sexually authentic. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that makes so much sense to me. I love that you're doing that work and I'm really excited about it. So thank you. I know that's a really courageous thing to do in the world. And so I'm really grateful it's happening. Yay. <laughs> oh, thank you. And I would be delighted to read for you sometime. <laughs> I'm sure that's going to happen. Um, I So this next question is a little bit more business related. Mm -hmm. um, I'm asking it just because uh, I'm excited about Patreon at the moment. It's made a huge difference in my life. It's made my work more sustainable and also on an emotional level, just given me, given me a lot, like a lot of peace and feelings of support and belonging and value in my work. And I want to share something that sounds a bit silly just to kind of really illustrate what that means. But so often at the bus stop when I'm waiting for something or in, I'm in a supermarket, I'll open the Patreon app and I'll put my hand on my heart and repeat to myself, it's like this work has meaning and there's people that believe in my story and I want to support it. And I feel just so grateful and honored by that. And I love, love that so many other small um, business owners or creators um, are starting patrons are also opening to that exchange and creating independent media because I think that is so important for us to move forward at the moment. So all this is a long winded question. <laughs> what is your experience of Patreon and what is happening in the background with the course that you're working on? Mm -hmm. Well, I'll echo the supreme gratitude that you just detailed regarding Patreon. I have been totally blown away and, and 
quite shocked, honestly, that my Patreon has generated the sort of support that it has. And I feel totally delighted. And it's not some sort of like ego based, like, oh, people like me, but I feel really, really grateful to be um, regarded as someone who can hold space for community Mm -hmm. in that sort of way, in a way that is, is responsible and reciprocal. So I'm pretty new to Patreon, but thus far it has been a total, total delight. And the way that I have it structured, and I can't take total credit for this. I absolutely was inspired by Tess Guyberson, City Witch, who you recently interviewed on here. It was a great interview. Um, I love Tess's work and they have their Patreon set up to be equal access. So all of the tiers are, um, all the tiers for pledges receive the same sort of content. Mm -hmm. So mine similarly is anti-hierarchical in that way. So if you pledge one to $10, it doesn't matter. You're receiving the same content. The only time that, um, that isn't the case is if a pledge includes one-on-one work, which of course takes, um, more specific, like individual time and labor to do. But otherwise, um, I totally was inspired by City Witch's approach. And that has worked really well for me as a way of inviting in community and making my work more widely accessible. Patreon has, just in the short time that I've been on that platform, it's allowed me to take a tiny step back from doing one-on-one work to create things and to focus on creating future things that are accessible to a wider audience. So that has been really great. And there are so many fun things that you can do on Patreon. I'm sharing snippets of my writing. Some of it is a bit more serious and specifically political, but then I have like really fun, playful things on there, like an exploration of the major arcana through the lens of Buffy the Vampire Slayer (laughs) with like lots of gifts and funny little jokes about Giles being daddy AF. So um, it's, it's been a really wonderful platform and I'm excited to see how it continues to unfold because it can be, if we choose to use it as such, it can be so participatory and it, it can be used in a way that isn't just this top down, like I have a good or service and then you are buying into it, it can really be used in a way that is collaborative and participatory. So I've been really excited to engage with folks on there. But one of the main reasons I'm I'm participating in Patreon is so that I can work on developing a course I have titled, at least tentatively, Tarot in the Tower, which is 
going to be an online course in some shape or fashion focused on reading tarot through the lens of social justice. So my intention with this is not to rewrite a guidebook for the 78 cards. That is certainly a worthwhile project. And um, if that's something that you're interested in, you might look at Tess Guyberson's zines or um, the reader Cassandra Snow has a series on Little Red Tarot that is really a card by card queer rereading of the deck. So those are worthwhile projects. But what I'm trying to do in this course is develop some critical thinking skills around the way we use tarot as a tool, as a material artifact, and to explore how we might use and read the deck in ways that facilitate social justice work. So it's more so an interrogation of our approach than it is a rereading of the deck. Of course, there's some like, tarot teachings peppered throughout, but certainly it's the course is not about like, here's the new set of interpretations that you should be referring to. It's more of an invitation for people to develop their own personal gnosis around the cards and should they choose to um, have readings that are not divorced from the political, but actually in service of individual and collective healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <That was laughs> exciting. Um, yeah, as I said, I am a Patreon and I'm really excited to see that unfolding and yeah, just so much gratitude for the platform. And like you said, the community that we can build around it and, I agree that it can be really beautiful if it's not just a one-sided transaction and yes it's really making me rethink the way we trade in general I think mm -hmm. but that's going to be a topic for a whole other um, episode in itself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah there's a, so much potential there and it similarly it's making me think about the ways I'm doing this work as someone who is anti-capitalist but living in and working against, but nonetheless subjected to a deeply capitalist world. And I don't want to say that Patreon is somehow like divorced from or like outside of capitalism, but I do think that it is one way that we can think about um, like building ethical, sustainable, community-centered businesses as healers and as intuitives and readers um, that kind of like shake up these very like transactional dynamics we've been groomed into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm. One last question I want to ask you is in addition to everything we've already covered that is <laughs> exciting, um, maybe there's a specific card or a deck or like a spread or a practice that you're really excited about at the moment. Ooh, so many things all the time. <laughs> okay, let's see. I have been really enamored with the lessons of the Four of Wands, mm. which may not seem like the most exciting card, but I've had some really profound 
breakthroughs with it. So the Rider Waite Smith or the, the Smith Waite deck shows sort of this like four posted trellis um, that has been erected for a celebration or a marriage ceremony of some kind. And we see like two happy little people bouncing around jubilantly. And the way that the card is traditionally interpreted really focuses on this energy of celebration and of joyousness. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong, but as this card has been stalking me, <laughs> I have started to focus more on those four wands that make the trellis and thinking about how that applies to my work as an educator and as a tarot reader. And I'm really excited by the lessons in this card that really focus on building an energetic container where the joy and the celebration and the healing and the learning can happen. So instead of thinking about like the, the energy of celebration itself, it's really an invitation for us to build structures, even temporary structures that are inviting of that sort of community building to happen. So Patreon might be an example of like a four of wands or thinking about our grounding practices before we do tarot readings or the way I set up space both tangibly, materially, and energetically before I teach a workshop and thinking more so about that sort of like energetic anchoring that then allows for like all of the beautiful collaboration to happen within it. So that might seem like super obvious, but once I had that breakthrough with that card, it like totally knocked my socks off. And mm -hmm. to give credit where it's due, my friend Nick, who owns a queer astrology side hustle called Queer of Cups um, taught me a grounding exercise where instead of just grounding your body, you ground the whole room by imagining that each corner um, is also being grounded into the earth, which has a lot of visual resonance with the Four of Wands. So now I kind of step into that card, the Four of Wands, before I teach, before I read, and like ground not just myself, but the whole body as a way of like creating uh, an energetic space, container for whatever needs to unfold to unfold. So I'm way too nerdy excited about this Four of Wands breakthrough. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I've never, yeah, I never had such a deep relationship with that card, but that definitely sounds interesting and exciting and expensive. So that's cool. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, no problem. And I'm also getting in just as a brief aside, yeah. getting back into my work with prayer beads. Mm -hmm. um, I, I craft them as custom designs and just come up with my own designs as well. But I kind of jokingly jokingly refer to prayer beads as like the original witchy fidget spinner. <laughs> so they like are great for folks who have anxiety or 
um, people who need to have something more concrete to do in order to get into a more meditative space. And um, I craft them so much for other people that sometimes um, I forget to like gift myself the same sort of medicine. Mm -hmm. And um, I've just returned to my own sets of prayer beats and have been finding a lot of um, nourishment in that practice as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Cool. Um, finally, I would love to know what you're currently offering. You mentioned a little bit of that, but maybe just give us an overview and then also let us know where people can find you. Sure. I have a website, powerfemtarot.com, and you can book readings with me there. I have an option called tailored tarot for which I'll design personalized spreads that speak to your inquiry should none of my other reading options appeal to you. But most of my spreads focus on intuitive development, building devotional relationships with deity and with practices of self-love and as we discussed sacred sexuality mm -hmm. um i don't profess to be a reader for everyone i don't think that should ever be anyone's focus you can't be for everyone so really the the niche that i have for my my business is reading for queer folks for femmes um, for people working to heal sexual trauma um, for people who identify as devotional polytheists and for other um, marginalized folks. But of course, if that doesn't apply to you, I'd still be more than happy, mm -hmm. happy to read for you. As I mentioned, I also craft pagan prayer beads. I take on custom orders and do just some designs for myself. And that work is posted on Etsy, which is just etsy.com slash powerfemtarot. Mm -hmm. And you can also find me on Patreon, as we mentioned, and I'm always kicking around on Instagram at powerfemtarot. Cool. I might. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna also say I always forget to mention this if because I assume that most people are not actually local to me since most of my work is distance. But if you are in the New Orleans area, I would be super excited to connect with you. Um, October seventh, I believe. Um, one of the Sundays in October, I'm hosting a tarot picnic in New Orleans, which is a really casual potluck style event for tarot readers, beginners, seasoned folks, doesn't matter to just come hang out by the water and nerd out about tarot. I also have some upcoming workshops in the New Orleans area. So if you are in New Orleans, keep an eye on my Instagram and on my website where I will announce where those workshops will be. Cool. I wish I could come. That sounds great. Cool. Oh, well, you're on my Patreon, so you'll get little snippets. That, that's oh, yeah. one of my uh, rewards as I always post content <laughs> from my in-person workshops. Yeah, that's cool. Thank you. Yeah, um, of course. I'll sell those links in the show notes as well. So if anyone got really excited but hasn't had a chance to write it down, it will be in the show notes as well. Thank you so, so much for today. It's been really great to chat to you. Um, I love what you shared. I always love to get to know other tarot readers and other perspectives. And I'm excited about what you're doing. And 
yeah, I'm grateful we got to chat. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much, Arrow. And thank you for your own generosity and efforts to build and nurture community in this space. And you're doing a lot of four of wands work here on this <laughs> podcast for sure. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.